This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. Friends, our scripture this morning, our second scripture this morning, comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 8 through 14. It can be found in your pew Bibles on New Testament page, uh, let's see, New Testament page 108. So that's New Testament page 108, Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 8 through 14, and I invite you to find it in your Bibles. It will also be on the screens for us. Now today, um, we come to the end of our Movement of God series. This is a sermon series that we've been in for the, really the latter half of the summer, um, from August all the way through to the end of September, where we have been asking ourselves, what does it mean to be part of a movement of God? How do we know when God is calling us to be part of His movement? We know that God is moving. We know that God is moving in our world. Um, we know that God is moving in and through us. Um, but how do we know? Um, how do we know when that work is happening in our lives? And I feel like this week was really helpful because one of the things our church did was engage um, in a week-long service project through All Family Serve where, where we got to not only hear about God's movement, but really experience it through one another and through the ways that we served alongside each other. And being invited to be part of a movement of God is really being invited to be part of something um, that's really bigger than ourselves, something that we could not do alone as we just heard Jesus tell the disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, but he didn't stop there. He said, and I'm going to be with you through the end of the age. Jesus reminds us um, that his presence will constantly be with us. And I think that scripture, um, plus the scripture we're about to read in John 14, um, and the week that we have just had together as a church really help us um, with what we're going to talk about this morning and what we're going to move into uh, through October. And, and here is our movement marker for today. This is what we've been talking about each Sunday. We've had a different movement marker. And this morning is, um, if it is a movement of God, it will never be about you. It will never be about you, and it will always be with you. It will never be about you, and it will always be with you. Now, our scripture from John this morning comes at a time in the life of Jesus and in the life of Jesus' disciples where he is getting ready to leave them. He has told them that he will be betrayed. He has told them that soon he will be handed over, and he will not be with them anymore. And he is sharing some final words with them. And that's where we find Jesus and the disciples this morning, I'll read to you our scripture from John 14, verses 8 through 14. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, but if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do and, in fact, will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. 
I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. Friends, this is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, our scripture this morning um, comes to us as part of a larger conversation in the Gospel of John. It's a conversation that spans several chapters, from John chapter 13 all the way through John chapter 17. And this is um, often referred to as, you know, the Last Supper in Jesus' life. In the, other, in the other Gospels, what we really get is the meal. We get the bread and the cup, but in John's Gospel, we get kind of the conversation that surrounds that moment. It begins in John chapter 13 with a passage many of you might be familiar with, Jesus washing the disciples' feet. He does that. We talk about that every year during the season of Lent, and it finishes in chapter 17 with a beautiful prayer from Jesus for His disciples and really for the world. But the disciples are receiving an incredible amount of information at one time. Jesus has washed their feet. He's done something incredibly profound um, to them and for them. He's also told them that He's getting ready to leave them. He's told them He's getting ready to leave them. Not only that He's going to leave them, but He's going to be betrayed. One of them is going to go and turn Him into the authorities, and He's actually getting ready to die. All of this information is coming to the disciples at one time, and it might have been a little overwhelming, which I believe is where Philip comes in and asks this question that he asked, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Philip wanted a little bit of reassurance. You're about to leave us. How on earth are we supposed to continue this work without you here? Now, this is the same Jesus who calmed storms. We've, we've read those stories. This is the same Jesus who healed lepers, who made those who couldn't walk, walk, who made the blind see. And the disciples are feeling like this great human being is getting ready to leave them alone. And part of what Jesus says in His response to Philip I think is incredibly beautiful and profound. Because even as we talk this morning about how if we're in a movement of God, it's, it's not going to be about us. Here, even Jesus, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, is pointing beyond Himself. He's saying, I have come to show you the Father. And if you know Me, then you will know the Father. And if I am with you, you know the Father will be with you. But it is what Jesus says in verse 12 that I think um, provides for the greatest, you know, amount of head scratching in this scripture, which is when Jesus says, very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do and in fact will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Now, I don't think the disciples could have possibly comprehended what kind of works they could do that would be greater than the works Jesus did. Now, perhaps to some smaller degree, you may have experienced this throughout your life. Maybe at some point in your life, you had to, you had to step into a role that, that someone you greatly respected um, held. I don't know if anyone in here has ever had that experience, but you had to assume some level of responsibility or something that someone you admired or looked up to had held, and you had thought to yourself, how on earth 
am I going to do this work? This is what the disciples are feeling in this moment. But Jesus' answer, I really think, gets to the heart of what it means to be the church. Because if you think about it, Jesus' ministry was really about 12 individuals. 12 individuals, um, one of whom completely failed the job. So Jesus' ministry was really about these 12 individuals, but what he gave to them was the capacity to move beyond that circle and actually impact and change the world. With him, present with them, they would be his hands and feet. So just as Jesus had told them, I have revealed the Father to you, what Jesus then asks them to do is reveal me to the world so that when people see you, when they experience you, they would see me, they would experience me. The larger framework of this whole chapter of Scripture, John 14, is that Jesus is reassuring the disciples that they will never be left alone. The very next thing that Jesus tells them beyond the Scripture that we read this morning is that the Father is going to give them an advocate to be with them forever. Jesus is describing the work of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit abides with us and gives us the assurance of God's presence. And one of the things we have been doing throughout this series is we have been talking about um, this person named John Wesley. John Wesley uh, was really the founder of the movement that would become Methodism, that would become the Methodist Church, the movement that would really bring us to a place where we're sitting in this room this morning and worshiping together. And this assurance of God's presence um, was incredibly important to Wesley and was something that sustained him throughout his entire life. Now, we've talked about a lot of different aspects of Wesley's life, but I will tell you that even as he neared the end of his life, he did not slow down. He did not slow down in his work. He did not slow down in his efforts. In fact, there's one great um, artist's image of Wesley on his um, deathbed, essentially. He's about 88 years old, and it depicts him as an old man nearing death, writing a letter to a man named William Wilberforce. William Wilberforce. And in that letter, Wesley was claiming that the practice of slavery in America was the most vile thing he could think of. And so, even as he was nearing his own death, Wesley was not slowing down. He was still writing his letters. He was still empowering other people. Now, I'll tell you that Wesley died in 1791. He was born in 1703. He died in 1791 in March. And there is a statement that is credited to him that he said at the time of his death that maybe you have heard before. He said, um, the best of all is God is with us. The best of all is God is with us. And this was really the heart of Wesley's work. When he was struggling with his own faith, it was this need for the assurance of God's presence even when he was struggling that kept him sustained throughout that ministry. I believe it was him seeing the ways that God was using him and the people around him to impact so many others that kept him sustained throughout his ministry. And Wesley really believed in giving all of himself to the work 
of God. Such that um, there's this quote that I read from a book, and I just cannot, I cannot remember the book, but this quote has always stayed with me um, when I was in divinity school and even beyond that, that, that had this to say about, about Wesley after he died. It said, um, because of his charitable nature, he died poor, leaving as the result of his life's work 135,000 members and 541 itinerant preachers under the name Methodist. It has been said that when John Wesley was carried to his grave, he left behind him a good library of books, a well-worn, a well-worn clergyman's gown, and the Methodist church. This is the testimony, a testimony to the power of God to work in us and through us, to call us to do things that would not be possible for us to do on our own, but with this reality that God is present with us, working in us, working through us, and bringing us together, these crazy things that we talk about, transforming the world, changing the world, like they can actually be done. They can actually be done. Jesus told Philip that the disciples would do even greater things. And for as crazy as that might have been to believe in the moment, it was really because of the work of the disciples in the book of Acts and beyond that would lead um, to really the known world in just, you know, a few generations after Jesus' death, um, claiming (laughs) the name of Jesus as the Messiah. And beyond that, you'd find people like Wesley being invited to be part of that movement that I believe in that moment Jesus knew even greater things. This is part of that even greater things. And I will tell you that even beyond Wesley, for as much as Wesley did for Methodism in England and a little bit in America, you know, it was someone that that Wesley impacted that he poured into that really was responsible for Methodism in America, and that's a man by the name of Francis Asbury. Has anybody ever heard of this man named Francis Asbury? Um, Perhaps you've been to um, an Asbury United Methodist Church. They are plenty. Um, There is an Asbury Theological Seminary. Um, There's the bookstore, Cokesbury, Cokesbury Bookstore, which um, gets its name from two uh, Methodist bishops, Thomas Coke and Francis Asbury. Now, a little background um, into Francis Asbury this morning. Uh, He has been called the architect of the American Methodist Church. He spent 45 years carrying his message, usually on horseback. These are circuit riders, usually on horseback, and through rough terrain across the American territories. Now, he died in March 1816, um, and within 75 years of his death, his efforts had helped Methodism um, become the largest Protestant church body in America. Now, it is said that Asbury traveled around 270,000 miles on horseback, preaching 16,000 sermons. In fact, one of the places he preached was a community that, that I just served for four years, Swansboro. And there's, there's, um, there's some written history about the town of Swansboro in which when Francis Asbury came in and preached there, um, he left and wrote in his journal how it was a, a town filled with a brood of vipers. That was the impression that Francis Asbury got of Swansboro. I haven't read anything about Apex in Francis Asbury's journals, um, but I will let you know. Um, 270,000 miles, 16,000 sermons, 
We just read 75 years after his death um, in 1816, Methodism would be the largest Protestant denomination in America. I'll tell you this, that Asbury died in 1816. By 1844, there would be reportedly one million Methodists in America with 4,000 preachers riding circuits on horseback. Remember those numbers when Wesley died? 135,000 members, 514 itinerant preachers. Just a few, just a little bit later, we've got a million Methodists in America, 4,000 preachers riding circuits on horseback. And in 1869, In 1869, a man by the name of James J. Hines became the first circuit rider to include a small community in North Carolina that would eventually become known as Apex. Apex on his schedule. The movement of God that began really when John Wesley was born in Epworth, England in 1703, by 1869, finds its way on horseback to this little town called Apex. And here we are. And here we are. Once again, um, our movement marker for this morning says, if it's, if it's a movement of God, it will never be about you and it will always be with you. Um, we believe that God moves in us and through us. And, and it's, it's crucial to remember because uh, God did not intend for us to do this great work alone. That's why I love the name of our denomination, the United, the United Methodist Church, united by our faith in Christ, called to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. And it's a reminder that Jesus told his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, but reminded them, I will be with you um, to the end of the age. It's the same encouragement that Jesus offered Philip in their conversation in John 14. He tells them, look, I have revealed the Father to you. If you know me, you know the Father. But guess what? When I leave you, when I leave you, there will be an advocate who will be given to you. It will be the gift of the Holy Spirit, and that will be with you forever. And so we point to something bigger than ourselves. Jesus, even Jesus, was pointing to something greater. He was pointing to the kingdom of God to reveal the Father to the people, and we are called to point to Jesus, to reveal Jesus to people. We can't do it alone, and one of the beautiful ways that that faith is expressed through our church um, is when we come together and we become the hands and feet of Jesus Christ together. And so, I want to show you um, a little video this morning that, that shows how we didn't just hear Um, this sermon preached this morning, but we actually lived it out through all Family Serve. Check out this video. I love that last line. Thank you for being being the movement of God um, in our community in very real and tangible ways. Um, Many people right here in southwest Wake County and and even our sisters and brothers on the coast um, of North Carolina and even people around the world um, are better off, are better off because the movement of God called Methodism found its way to Apex and established a people here. One of the ways that we experience the movement of God and the presence of God, the reminder that we can't do it alone, um, is through one another. And so beginning uh, next week, our church is going to enter into a season of of gratitude um, through a sermon series called Without You. 
And it's our desire um, with this series to connect you to little-known characters in Scripture and little-known characters in our church um, who love the Lord and who desire for us to be in this work of God together. Um, it is a very, I, I am so excited to preach this sermon series. I pray that you will come, that you will come every single week um, because it is going to be absolutely awesome. Hallelujah. But it's our invitation to you to take part in telling these stories of gratitude with us. So one of the things that we're doing is we're setting up a, a photo booth right outside in Crossroads, and uh, we're giving people the opportunity to, to take a picture with a whiteboard um, that, that has the name or names of, of some people um, who, have, who have been part of, of your extended family in this church, who have, who have helped you as you've walked along your faith, who have come alongside you in being the hands and feet of Jesus in this um, community. But we, we really take part in God's movement when we do it together. And so it's a great reminder that we can't be who we are without each and every one of you. Amen? Amen. Amen.